no business in service delivery can be great at everything it does. If you try to be great at everything, you will at best be mediocre at everything that you do. So choose what you want to be bad at so that you're good at a couple of things which are very important to the customer. The rest of them you will be, you have to be bad at. yet another episode of Stride Stories. This is your host, Abhulva Sharma. This podcast is our endeavor to connect startup enthusiasts and budding entrepreneurs with prominent founders, investors, and industry leaders through candid and fun conversations about their personal and professional journeys, which has got them to where they are today. Our guest for today is a person who is an Howard alumni, a four-times entrepreneur, and a VC partner at a social impact fund. His current venture is one of India's largest startups in the home decor space and has recently onboarded the Indian cricketing legend MS Dhoni as a brand ambassador. Over the last six years, the team has delivered 15,000 homes across 10 cities. Without further ado, I welcome Mr. Srikant Ayer, co-founder and CEO of Homelane to this episode of Stride Stories. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks so much, Apurva. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. You've been an, on your own, a serial entrepreneur throughout. When did the entrepreneurship bug hit you? Is it something you knew from your childhood days? Um, actually, no, I didn't. Uh, you know, I finished my post-graduation and I got into Wipro. Uh, that was actually one more, you know, story. There were four of us in our engineering group uh, who were batchmates. Uh, and... Um, you know, I uh, didn't want to write the Wipro exam. Uh, I was not interested in joining Wipro. But my other three engineering class, batchmates, they wanted to uh, write the exam. And uh, and uh, they said, hey, you know what? They don't give the exam unless minimum four people are there. So why don't you come? And as luck would have it, I got the job and they didn't, uh, at oh least. <laughs> and I was not, I, mean, I can assure you that I was not the brightest amongst the four. In fact, I was on the other end of the spectrum. But uh, but nevertheless, I, I, get, I guess I got lucky and I got the job. Uh, but three months into the job, I just felt that um, for the kind of effort that I was putting and uh, uh, probably the returns that I was getting, I, I felt that... Uh, if I had put in the same effort for myself, I'd probably earn more. That was my kind of a short-term thinking. Uh, it was not very long-term, to be very brutally honest. Um, but uh, I said, you know, why, why not? Let me try working for, for myself. Uh, probably will be better for me. And that's, that's really how it started. And uh, I've been lucky, I guess, and uh, perseverant, I guess. So, God, and, and uh, yeah, there's been no looking back. Uh, now I'm officially unemployable anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're very much employable. But I think uh, perseverance and showing up every day is the biggest trait of an entrepreneur that keeps you going every day. So thank you so much. Um, how did you come up with the idea of Homelane? Uh, what are the three things you had envisioned for Homelane? And do you think Homelane has achieved it? I thought of Homelane actually two years before I started. Before I started Homelane, uh, I had done up a couple of homes which I had bought, and the experience was um, quite bad. And um, at that time, I had thought, you know, what I'm spending like you know ten lakhs, fifteen lakhs, twenty lakhs for doing up a home. It's such a high ticket size. 
you know your experience when you are buying something normally like that right if you buy a car or if you do whatever right the experience is quite nice uh, but this is so bad and so unpredictable uh, for me the thing that stuck in my head was the unpredictability of this experience ki matlab tum paise to de rahe ho but you don't know what quality you are getting because it's so technical the whole product experience um you don't know what budget you're going to get it at there you 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 typically start with one budget and you end up at about 2x that budget normally and most importantly you don't know when you're getting it right so you your timelines keep you know keep getting longer and longer so uh, i said is is there no brand in india that that can promise and and give predictability to the consumer obviously you have to give them beautiful home interiors um but can you give it to them predictably uh, you tell them a price and you know it has to be that price not 1 rupee more than that uh, if you uh, tell them a brand you have to give them that brand uh, no change in that so basically quality and the third one is you know timeline if you tell them a timeline can you give it to them so those that was the initial thought um with which i started home lane um so just to correct you we have delivered 21000 homes now in the last 7 years uh, uh, so we wow. have uh, uh, i think uh, we are well into the journey of creating a large brand at least in india in this space absolutely um, we would definitely be i would say in terms of size um, you know in the top 3 uh, in terms of size today but delhi abhi bahut dur hai i mean we still have a long way to go uh, i think we still have our processes to make better uh, we want to do uh, things at a even larger scale uh, we are just getting started um, and uh, i do think technology also has a big role to play so we are also um, uh, using technology to give a customer a far more uh, you know um, user friendly and uh, predictable experience so quality predictability and timelines are very important for you and since you mentioned technology shrikant the spacecraft has been a definite success and is an incredible 3d visualization software to craft your own space how critical has it been to the vision of home lane does it still uh, you know undergo improvements on and off and how important has technology been in an execution intensive business no technology has been uh, the main uh, mainstay uh, due to which we have been able to disrupt the space at least to some extent so far i would like to believe that we have made the journey far more convenient than in the normal uh, way if the if the customer had gone that way spacecraft is a very very important part of that so when we started visualizing a new journey for a customer uh for me a few things needed to be taken care of typically when you get your home interiors done you know things are you know not synchronous right they are asynchronous which means that when you are talking to a designer uh the designer will be explaining to you uh you know verbatim today and you will get a visual connect maybe a few days later right so it's asynchronous in terms of conversation that's one problem the second problem is the is that you cannot visualize which means that a, a designer may be explaining you know aisa dikhega this will be the color it will be this will be orange this will be blue whatever but for you to visualize that exactly as how it will be is extremely difficult because 
one you are talking about is in is you know is in is in verbal uh, communication and then you are you you have to jump to a visual communication medium so that crossover is very difficult sometimes the third one given that we were going after the middle class target segment it was extremely important that we focus on not only visualizing properly for our customers but also visualizing with price so like i tell our customers you can dream about your home with your eyes open on the price um which is extremely important i mean you know finally um for customers who are spending 5 lakhs 10 lakhs on doing up their homes it's a very very large expense and so they'd like to know where that money is going in so spacecraft is actually a a virtual 3d collaboration platform where the designer and the customer meet virtually and actually design their whole home using that i'm sure you've seen rushes of that right so uh, one of the things that the fourth and the fourth most important one was it needed to be virtual because by the way we thought about spacecraft being virtual about four and a half years ago about 3 years before the pandemic okay now i'll give you some fun statistics before the pandemic hit only 6% of the customers even though the virtual feature was available for the last 3 years before the pandemic only 6% of our customers wanted to meet virtually they said ha ha ye feature hai theek hai magar mere ko aake i want to meet in person after the pandemic hit 86% of our customers now meet us virtually so it's completely changed consumer behavior from being averse to meeting virtually because you know they're spending at large ticket size they believe that they want to make that effort to go to the showroom to go to the experience center and actually you know touch and feel the product to saying you know i will meet virtually thanks to obviously the pandemic has been like a switch pretty much from 6% to 86% that's been a huge advantage for us because spacecraft has been uh, a game changer pretty much for us so customers can actually see live the project come alive in front of their own eyes sitting at home um, they can see it coming alive with the on the right top corner they will actually be seeing the price so they will actually be able to see the project come alive with the price in mind and it's synchronous it's they can even tell them are nahi yaar abhi thoda zyada ho gaya iska price you know isko thoda downgrade karo or the reverse they can say you know i want to upgrade this so it's completely transparent and completely under their control which the designer will execute in front of their own eyes so spacecraft has been a game changer we are investing lots more money into enhancing spacecraft as we speak uh, we've increased the size of the team we've increased features etc uh, and really for us technology is the only way to scale this business so we will continue to invest in technology big time great shrikant so i have seen now uh, you know uh, the spacecraft and i think it's incredible so as you said you know it eliminates expectation mismatch because designer kuch keh raha hai consumer ke dimag mein kuch aur hai that is eliminated your decision making time really you know crunches because you are able to see what you're being explained at the same time and as you said visualization with a price in mind Yeah. and 6 to 86 is a big swing but uh, i think you know it's it's here to stay it's just that uh, consumers have become more acceptable that it's possible to see uh, it virtually yeah uh, moving on uh, shrikant i heard your see to scale podcast with daniel at excel and i thoroughly enjoyed it 
Uh, you speak about how a defined catalog through mass customization has helped Homelane delight customers through predictability and affordability without compromise on quality. This is brilliant. Did you know from the get set go that this is how you want to build the business? I wish I did. No, I didn't. The, the truth is that I didn't. Um, so I went about it just like anybody else would, which is that in the first six months, we every customer who walked into the showroom, whatever they wanted, be it civil, be it plumbing, be it carpentry, be it electrical, uh, anything, we said, yes, we will do it. And in six months, we landed in such a mess uh, that uh, we were getting orders, but we were not able to execute them um, at all. Forget satisfactorily, customers were extremely unhappy and we were not able to execute them at all. So that kind of shook me up. And I kind of said, you know what, is this is not a scalable model. And um, how do I scale this business? Uh, because I was not interested in doing five homes or 10 homes a year. I was interested in doing 5,000 to 10,000 homes a year. Um, so then I kind of just by chance uh, uh, stumbled upon this book uh, called Uncommon Service. It's a HPS authored book by this professor called Francis Frey, uh, who, uh, who has been, who was a professor at Harvard earlier. And she has a very powerful and interesting theory that she makes in this. Um, she says, no business in service delivery can be graded everything it does. If you want, if you try to be great at everything, you will at best be mediocre at everything that you do. Um, so choose what you want to be bad at so that you're good at a couple of things which are very important to the customer. The rest of them you will be, you have to be bad at. So kind of it's like a counterbalancing. You're bad at this because you're bad at this, you'll be great at something else, right? That's the, the argument. The second argument she makes is, when you're scaling a service delivery business, do not expect your frontline workers to be supermen or superwomen. They are normal people. Your process needs to be in such a way that they will deliver customer excellence. The, you cannot expect them to be, you know, working on their skin every day. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a scalable model again. So, so these two things kind of hit home for me. And going back to what I had said about predictability, um, I kind of started thinking about what we wanted to be the best at. We wanted to be the best at offering predictability to customers, which is predictable quality, predictable budget, and most importantly, predictable timeline. And that's how we came up with this 45 days or we pay you rent guarantee. If we wanted to be great at that, we necessarily needed to be bad at something, right? Going back to uncommon service. So I start thinking, you know, how can I be great at predictability? What should I be bad at to be great at predictability? The obvious answer was variety. The answer was that instead of offering 2000 color options, can I offer 150 color options and still give the customer what they want, but at a far more predictable uh, manner at scale, at scale. This is about, you know, completing... Today we finished, uh, we hand over 25 projects a day to customers. At that time, we were handing over two projects a week. So I needed to build something which would really scale to that level. So that was the thought process. So that's when I came up with this concept of the finite catalog, as we call the finite catalog today, which basically what it means is 
focus on a few things and be the best at them and the others you must say no to them even if it means temporarily a loss of revenue for you for the next year or two years it's extremely hard for a startup to say no to revenue as you know but that's the right thing to do in our business because going back to uncommon service philosophy if you try to be great at everything then you will at best be mediocre at everything and that's very true in a service delivery business like home interiors and that was my kind of aha not a moment but it took me about a month or two to kind of think through this because it's a very evolved thought process at least for me it was um and that's how we came up with this finite catalog so we said you know the first few years we will not do renovations we will only do new homes then what happens automatically you are reducing the stuff that you do renovation involves breaking and then making we said we will only do new homes which only have making there is no breaking there so so we took some very difficult hard decisions at that point in time and came up with this concept of what we call the finite catalog and said we will offer fewer colors i'll give you an example if you take a white laminate we offer one option for our customers competitors offer four colors of white laminates even if they were the same volume as us my volume purchase for a white laminate is four times theirs and so my cost is about 20 30% lower than my competition which can never be matched so my pricing is always going to be better because i have fewer options and i will be so we kind of made this 45 day brand promise kind of our north pole we said everything that we deliver needs to be delivered in 45 days that's the predictability promise that homelane will give if it is not possible to deliver in 45 days we will actually not offer that at all for the first few years we we refused to offer any products which we could not do in 45 days so it may sound crazy or counterintuitive but believe me that one decision has helped us scale to where we are today i'm very happy to say that from a unit economics perspective from time to completion of the project perspective from a customer satisfaction like an nps perspective we are clearly uh, one of the better companies uh, with with very very strong uh, figures to match whatever we are talking about do we fail our customers now yes we do unfortunately but we fail them far less often than we had in the first 6 months of homeland existence um and if i may dare say so we will make it better and better and better and 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 hopefully sometime will come where we don't fail our customers at all so that's really uh, the concept of the finite catalog absolutely shrikant i think you know this is brilliant you have achieved things that matter more to customers by letting go of some things which probably you know will just uh, compromise the things that you want to achieve So and anyway, I think Pareto rule is true for a lot of things in life. Eighty uh, percent of your customers will go after the same twenty percent of the catalog, which is probably the most uh, you know popular ones, and it definitely gives you procurement advantage. Um, one more question, Shivan. So, how do you when did you decide that the design partners were not going to be on your payroll? Also, getting Square partners to run experience centers for you and last mile installations. so these are important uh, critical decisions to control the customer experience i want our listeners to get some perspective on how to decide what to outsource and what to own sure so 
we were very clear about a couple of things. One is the whole experience had to be controlled by Homelane because Homelane was the brand giving the customer promise. So if there was any compromise in the customer promise, then the Homelane brand would be affected. So very clearly we had to control it. That was the first point. But we were also equally clear that we didn't want to lose out on the variety that a marketplace will offer and employ employing designers will offer. So let me talk about designers first. So, for example, there's so much of talent in India or in any other country where, uh, you know, men and women, for whatever reason, they take breaks during, you know, um, their, uh, maybe three years, five years after they're working. Um, um, and then they want to come back to work after a break of two, three years, but they can't, it's, they don't find it so easy. Some of them don't want, they don't want to work full time, but they want to work like half the time, but they still want to earn some money, etc. There's so much of talent there and that's not tapped today at all. And we said, you know what, why don't we tap the, uh, you know, um, interior design talents of such men and women across the country. Now that, that you're not going to get variety if you're going to employ designers, right? You're not going to get that variety. You won't get that spread. They may be very, very talented men and women who don't want to work full time. You'll never be able to employ them. So you lose out. So we said, one thing is let's make sure that we get more talent in. And for that, you have to be a marketplace. You can't just be hiring designers. Then you're narrowing your options, basically. That's on the designer front. On the square partner front or the franchisee front, it actually it was easier for us to do it. Because one thing I was very clear about is if Homelane tries to employ 2,000 carpenters across 20 cities and tries to install parallelly, then we will just collapse. I mean, it's, it's, it's a nightmare from a logistics perspective and a man management perspective. We wanted to decentralize the last mile installation, but still have control. So, and the same thing was true with design. We wanted to decentralize it, but still have control. Now, what we decided to do is we were anyway taking customer net promoter score NPS from every, almost every customer. So we decided that we would link everybody's fortunes to customer NPS. If customers satisfied, everybody earns more. If customers not satisfied, everybody earns less. That was the overarching theory. And we decided that both design and last mile installation will be decentralized and done at that particular city by a designer or by an installer, which will be who will be freelancers pretty much. And that's how we have scaled this. It's actually scaled very, very well. Um, the, the, all our partners recognize that customer satisfaction is the only truth and there's nothing else which is higher than that. And they are all aligned. In India, when you align commercial interests, you can actually make partners work better very, very well with you. And that's really what we have done. We have aligned their commercial interests. If customers happy, you get more money. If customers unhappy, you get less money. So it's, it's as simple as that. And uh, we are very, very transparent as an organization across board. So every designer can has a login and they can see what are all the projects, at what stage, what money they have to get, when are they getting the money. All of that is available to them. The same thing is with franchisee partners. So it's a combination of three things. One is decentralization of design and of last mile installation. 
The second one is transparent communication between all stakeholders. The third one, very important one, is a technology platform again connecting all of this so that everybody can view the project at any point in time and know the exact status. So all of this together has helped us actually scale this model, which has and which has made it asset light, which has been a very big advantage for us. Absolutely. So for anything that is being outsourced, uh, I want the listeners to understand that it's important that there is transparent communication across all stakeholders and the commercial intent is connected with what the brand promise stands for, in, in your case, customer satisfaction. So that even though it's decentralized, uh, your customer satisfaction is not being compromised. Absolutely. Uh, another question, uh, uh, Shrikant. I believe Homelane has one of the strongest teams and is amongst the most professionally managed startups that I have seen in my uh, you know, career so far. What areas do you think a founder should devote more time to, as per you, once the company has become reasonably mature? Yep, thanks. Thanks for your kind words. I wish I know I can very clearly tell you that my team is uh, my team is filled with rock stars, and I'm the weak link in the team. So uh, I, I, I'm only uh, you know uh, I'm only ref uh, I'm only basking in their reflected glory, so to speak. Um, as a founder, I would urge uh, you know other founders who are at a kind of a slightly mature stage to really focus a lot of time on two things. One is hiring. Uh, I, think, I think basically if you make sure that you're hiring right and you make sure that you're hiring somebody with a 100% or at least a very good cultural fit to your company, then you are more likely to succeed than not. I mean, at a certain scale, it's obviously impossible for you to individually contribute more than more than a certain uh, bit, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You have to rely, you have to know how much to delegate. Most importantly, you must hire people who are, you know, completely on your side when it comes to cultural fit, uh, what you want to build, etc. So take your time, uh, you know, interview them three times instead of two times if required. But really spend a lot of time on hiring your leadership team and making sure that not only are they skilled enough, they're motivated enough, but they fit culturally enough. I think the third part is something which most people do not give enough importance to and they kind of uh, miss out and have mishaps because of that. So um, I would really uh, say focus on that as one. The second one that I would want founders to focus on or I would advise on founders to focus on is company culture itself. Uh, for example, uh, Homelane has very strong uh, values that we espouse and we urge every Homelaner to exhibit. And these values are very easy to remember. There is, it is trust, transparency, collaboration, frugality, and customer obsession. These are the five values that we have. This is not these values have been there pretty much from day one. Now, what I would do is I would, when I'm hiring, I would see if I can find any evidence of any of these values in the person that I am interviewing. Right? The same way, even when I have to build company culture, like I was telling you, you have to also espouse these values. You have to walk the talk. So, for example, I'll give you a couple of examples. 
we are one of the most i believe at least um uh, companies who believes in constant communication during normal times we have stand ups once a quarter which is a which is just after our board meetings we share whatever we can from the board meeting obviously we cannot share everything that shared in the board meeting but we share whatever we can in these stand ups and town halls um not only that during the pandemic we actually had one every month so during crisis over communicate that's the other this one the third one is be as transparent as possible like i said we have to walk the talk if if one of our values is transparency we need to first exhibit that then only we can expect it from the other end i very firmly believe that so trust and transparency is something that that we uh, so spend more time in actually developing these um the the last one i would say is measure people take nps of customers very seriously they don't take employee nps seriously believe me i think i think it was the virgin founder who said right which is that you know make your employees happy your customers will automatically be happy very true so unless you measure employee nps you don't know what your uh, uh, how your employees are feeling so we do a quarterly employee nps anonymous so that nobody know they can be as frank as they want they can be as brutal as they want and that's exactly the feedback that we want so that we can look at the mirror as a management and see where we are going wrong if at all we are going wrong somewhere so so that that's again going back to the transparency that i was telling you so we want to get feedback and i we we really encourage them to give us feedback we tell them if you don't tell us what we are doing wrong then we cannot improve then don't complain saying ye mera nahi ho raha hai wo mera nahi ho raha hai then you're not you're not given feedback so we really push our employees into giving us feedback uh every single time they give feedback every quarter they give feedback after every town hall they say you know what the was the presentation good enough for you would you want more info do you want less info was it too much was shrikant just talking on and on and you didn't want to hear him speak for so long they can actually give a very very frank opinion we we want their opinions i think and that comes back to espousing the values of trust and transparency um so you you display that you will get it back also from your employees and that's really you have to spend time on this these things take time you have to devote time and you have to build a culture of your organization like how you want it to be so are these are the three areas that i would say every founder needs to spend time on absolutely so employee nps is as important as customer nps happy employees will you know culminate into happy customers as well uh shrikant ms dhoni is an excellent choice and i think he resonates with what the brand homelane stands for how important is commercial uh, advertisement in a low frequency high purchase category high purchase value category so we are primarily a digital first brand so 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 while we are going to be doing a campaign shortly uh, which is going to be uh, even on ott and on tv for uh, for a little bit during ipl we are primarily a digital first brand uh, like you rightly said uh, this is a low frequency high value ticket size in this industry the customer comes in with very low trust on the on the vendor so if you go to 10 people and who are doing up their homes and ask them uh, their trust levels of the vendor will not be very high it will be less than 5 on a scale of 0 to 
so we thought that it's a good idea for us to build some trust and trust can be built only by doing some brand building exercises which is also the reason why we needed someone like msd to actually represent the homeland brand i mean we our archetype is a hero archetype brand which is that you know we want to be assuring to our customers saying you know hum dekh lenge aap chinta mat kijiye uh, we want to be seen as people who have earned their stripes we have not we are not born with a silver spoon but we have worked hard and we have all of these values i think ms dhoni also is known for and that's why we were so happy to sign him on as our brand ambassador we have a three year contract with him and uh, i'm hoping that uh, we will be able to take advantage of his persona rubbing off a little bit on our brand absolutely i think he's an excellent choice and he'll definitely you know strike a chord with the masses uh, homelin has raised a fraction of the capital raised by its peers and has achieved equal or more scale clearly very very capital efficient how did you make that happen so you know i think we have been as clear as what we do not want to do as much as what we want to do and i think that has helped us reach the scale reach the efficiency uh, that maybe others are trying to do um, so i mean without taking any numbers i think very for the very fact that uh, uh, we are one of the larger players in the segment in india today um and we probably spent maybe less than one third or less than one fourth of capital that most people have spent on growing this business to a similar scale over the last 6 to 7 years i think is because we have said we will prioritize fewer areas we will be the best at those areas we will build very strong economic unit economic fundamentals before we scale um uh, the model all of these things have actually um helped us point number 1 how has this happened it's again going back to the finite catalog uh for us we had to make a choice we said that predictability is greater than variety so we would prefer to go and offer predictability to our customers even if we have to compromise on variety we found that that had the, that 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 shrinking the catalog had basically got many many long term positive effects to unit economics and our margins are better our timelines are better uh, and our customers are more happy i mean clearly uh, you can't ask for a more win 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 kind of a situation and that's really helped us scale far more efficiently use capital more efficiently the second reason why we have been more capital efficient is we have been on an asset like model uh from pretty much day 1 6 months into the business we said we will only have design partners all our designers are on our variable pay all our carpenters are on variable pay all our factories are on variable pay nobody is on fixed pay and that's again one more reason why we have not been why we have been more capital efficient we have not spent a single dime on capex so these have been the two main reasons why homelane has been extremely capital efficient absolutely thank you so much uh, shrikant for that one last question uh, uh, on for this section have you seen consumer behavior change over the years do you uh, think it differs uh, depending on the geography how people want their homes to be set up 
so overall the consumer behavior has changed i think the pandemic has also accelerated some of those changes i think i spoke about virtual meetings only 6% of them taking versus now 86% of them taking virtual meetings so clearly that's been a phase shift in consumer behavior uh, without doubt um, the other ways in which consumer behavior has changed and i am seeing it is that indian consumers are becoming more and more and more aspirational as far as doing up their homes are concerned especially after the pandemic people are not going on those expensive vacations anymore they are not going out and eating as out as much as they used to anymore they are saving all that money they have to spend that money somewhere so they are looking at uh, you know doing up their homes at home lane we have seen an increase of 70000 rupees in ticket size per home before the pandemic till now uh, and we see it increasing even more so i think that's been um, uh, a second shift going to your second part of your question is it different it's quite different buying patterns are different i'll give you a very strong example chennai is very conservative market people will have lots of money but they'll hardly spend it hyderabad is a very flamboyant market the culture is to actually do up their homes and spend as much as they want or more on their homes so so we have seen the ticket sizes in chennai are like 60% those that of hyderabad even though the size of the home is the same um so so those would be some cultural differences if even if you take in terms of color um you know let's say a bangalore or a chennai will be a little more muted a little more contemporary kind of colors uh, whereas maybe a delhi or a hyderabad will actually be more flamboyant um brighter colors so those are some cultural differences even in terms of uh, you know aesthetics so there are multiple differences between cities each city is a unique market in yourself in itself so i think you need to understand the city well uh, and then offer what will work for that particular city absolutely uh, moving on shrikant our podcast has two other sections also apart from business conversations uh, right. we have a rapid fire to know the person behind the scenes better okay. uh, so a quick set of questions and you have to answer it quickly okay what is your favorite book and why do you like it i think i already answered that uncommon service and i like it because it changed my perspective of this whole industry and the business and uh, you know uh, i can't uh, i can't thank it enough for having enlightened me on this subject absolutely i'm going to read the book and i encourage the listeners also to definitely give it a read what keeps you going on a rainy day um you know for me uh, a rainy day actually makes life easier in terms of decision making I, i don't know if if it's counterintuitive but when you're left with very few options and when your back is against the wall everything is in black and white it's actually if you think about it if you and you have excess when you have more money when you have more options when you have more to decide on is when you get confused uh so when the pandemic hit we were very clear that this was the way i'll give you one other one example 10 days after the lockdown was announced we moved out of every single office that we had in the country we had about 550 seats that we vacated in 10 days time and we said we don't want those offices back we were very clear the next one year alone we saved about 6 crores of rent simply on based on that so so to me it's 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 a, you know you know 
crisis brings clarity <laughs> so i i believe in fact i joke sometimes with my colleagues also i think i'm a far better wartime ceo than a peacetime ceo <laughs> sure have you learned most by making mistakes or learned from other people's mistakes i mean i hope i've learned from other people's mistakes but i think majority of my learning has been from my own mistakes um i can't blame anybody else for that i i have to take the full credit myself um uh yeah uh, i would definitely say that uh, i have also made enough and more of my share of mistakes in the last 28 years i just hope i haven't repeated the mistakes again and again too many times uh but yeah it's been more from my own experience and my own mistakes Sure. If not Homelane, what would have what would have you named the company? Uh, what would I have named the company? Is it? Oh, okay, that's a difficult one. Um, so initially, I was uh, looking at you know semifurnished dot com and things like that, and then I realized that semifurnished is not really a brand name. Uh, so I kind of you know gave that up. and then we bought homelane from uh, somebody who was squatting on it um but maybe i would have probably looked at uh, something which was more artsy or talked about you know um more on the decorative side uh, you know home decor dot in or uh, you know interior decor dot com or something like that would have been the name i guess but homelane was nice short sweet so we decided to go for and the url was available so we decided to go for it <laughs> Sure. What is your most favorite part of the house design? Oh, my favorite uh, part of the house design is actually the kitchen. Uh, uh, the reason for that is actually there are so many spaces, right? I mean, one is the cleaning area, then the storage area, then you have the cutting area. Um, uh, obviously, you have the fridge, etc. Uh, so there's so much activity happening all the time, and and it's actually like the nerve center of the house also so um there is it's and by the way uh, there's lots of things that happens under the hood so you know there's a the plumbing work there's the electrical work there is the you know aqua guard or something that you have to fit in there's the there is the you know the gas that has to go the uh, under the burner and so many things are happening uh, so many things to take care of and obviously it's also one of the most important pieces uh, for any home because you know especially during times of the pandemic you have no choice but to learn cooking yourself and to cook so um, it's an essential part of the house so very clearly for me um, the kitchen is the hands down winner sure i think i know the answer to this question but still do you like being a vc more or, a, or an entrepreneur more i mean that's a, that's yeah. a completely uh, you know easy one to answer yeah. uh, i i am a total entrepreneur um, you know even when i wear the vc hat very rarely uh, my other colleagues look at me strangely because i always am <laughs> batting for the entrepreneur than for the fund so <laughs> i don't know if i'm useful that way but uh, but yeah i am an entrepreneur at heart and um, i've always been a practitioner so to speak to understand the practical difficulties of running a business and empathize with it a bit more so yes entrepreneur clearly sure what advice would you give to your younger self 
I would probably say take more risks um, than I did in the early part of my career. At that time, when I started in 1993, uh, there was nothing called uh, VCs. There was no, I mean, I hadn't heard of anything called equity uh, funding, etc. So, but uh, but I think even after I did hear about it, I took my own time in actually raising funds for my startup. Uh, so I would probably say be more open, be more uh, risk taking especially when you are younger uh, so that you can you can actually achieve more or at least give you a chance yourself a chance to achieve more so that's what i would tell all entrepreneurs uh, who are young right now sure what does success mean to you success to me means refusing to fail anyone who starts any business will come close to shutting the business down at some point in time because times are never never the same they're never only good etc you refusing to fail pretty much defines you as 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 an entrepreneur or as a success or as a failure uh, depending on how you confront failure uh, really for me it is that and especially you know it's true of the pandemic times right we've seen so many companies do you know adversely Absolutely. affected by the pandemic and closed down uh, but there have been those companies who have been you know they've been deep they've been so stubborn and they've been so perseverant and they've actually you know done the hard job of not quitting and to me that defines success sure last question shrikant for this section how do you like unwinding Oh, how do I like? I love watching sport. Uh, I'm a big sport fan. I play, I dabble my hand at tennis a little bit myself. I watch cricket, tennis, actually any sport, even football, thanks to my sons who are football fans. Um, so whenever I'm on TV, like 90% of the time, it would be a sport, mostly live sport. So uh, that's really how I like to unwind. I find sport very entertaining and uh, very exhilarating. Um I like also the fact that uh, uh, it, it allows you to achieve uh, individual glory to such an extent. I mean, I have some favorites like Messi and Federer and Dravid and, you know, players like that who I really look up to and MSD, of course, uh, who I really look up to. Um, so I do think that sport lets you express yourself uh, as an individual and uh, lets you express, express your talent for the world to see. So I really find it very, very exciting. Um, so clearly for me, that's the number one on my list. Thank you so much, Shrikant. Uh, the last section of this podcast is indebted to debt. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. debt often has a negative connotation and people don't like that word very much. You know, a lot of them. How do you think debt has changed uh, something for the good in your life or your businesses ever? So I think, uh, frankly, when I started my earlier startups, I was also having a negative, negative connotation on debt. Um, my perception has changed dramatically over the last few years uh, for a simple reason. When you uh, dilute equity and raise money, um, there's only so much that you can dilute. Beyond the point, you do not want to dilute. Right. And especially when you are running a steady business, when you know you're going to grow, you do not want to dilute beyond the point. And I think there, uh, venture debt is a fantastic option to have um, simply because it gives you that comfort 
uh, of not diluting. Um, you you get some cushioning. You get a runway which extends your runway by like let's say three months, six months, whatever time, depending on your burn. Uh, and you don't have to dilute. So it's like a necessary uh, necessary tool that you would use um, instead of actually diluting. I mean, uh, this is the part that I was telling you about taking risk, right? I mean, this is something that every entrepreneur should do. Otherwise. You are working hard, you are building the company and there's no point in you diluting equity every single time. There will be a time when you're running the business where it will be safe enough to take debt. And that's when you should choose debt uh, for growing your business without diluting yourself too much. Uh, clearly for me, that's the number one reason um, for, for, for you to... Uh, the second reason also is speed. Venture debt can be actually done very, very quickly. I mean, for example, we've worked with you guys a couple of times in the last two, three years. And I can tell you that it's been the one of the most fastest and the most pleasant experiences that we have had of raising um, money, including debt. Uh, it's not like the old times when we think that Array, they'll ask me for my full kundli and I have to give them everything. I don't have collateral. What do I do? I mean, et cetera. It's, it's really a question of you selling the idea to the venture debt company um, and, and them believing in your story and then giving you that debt. Um, so I do think that it does give you that comfort of getting that extra runway at a very short notice, which doesn't happen with equity. Equity transactions take a minimum. On an average, it takes six to eight months for you to raise money, realistically speaking. Here, you can do it in six to eight weeks. Thank you so much, uh, Shrikant. Thanks a lot for that. That is a very important part of the capital structure. It's anti-dilutive, it's quicker. And for some use cases, they should definitely be funded through debt. So thank you so much, Shrikant. It, it was a pleasure speaking to you. So thank you so much for taking out the time and coming on this podcast. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm.